Hello, everybody. Did you spend last night dreaming about insurance? You know that I did, and that's why I'm excited to start today's episode. So let's get right into it. Welcome to the Ultimate Insurance Agency Podcast. Planet of the Agents. Planet of the Agents. Where we give you the real scoop on being an insurance agent and running an agency. This show is all about helping you focus on earning more money as an agent and building your own insurance empire. Empire. Here's your industry-leading host who has generated tens of thousands of insurance leads. This is Dave Baker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm so happy to have you here with me again today. Today I want to take a little time and tell you a little bit about myself and the agency that I built. Uh, one of my friends inspired me to really share my story with everyone there so that you can hear what I've been through and hopefully it can offer you some inspiration in building your agency into a really significant part of your life and a real business. Now, if you think back to episode one where I mentioned that there are different types of agencies out there from the mega agencies that do business and write close to a billion dollars in premium, uh, of which actually there aren't that many of the mega agencies. Um, in fact, some of them are referenced in magazines on a list, and you can actually see who those agencies are. They do an impressive business, but they're probably different than you and me and what I think of when I think of an insurance agency. I would say most of us are not targeting minimum premiums of $150,000 or perhaps have a minimum revenue threshold for something that we sell of, say, $50,000. I've actually had friends who worked at those types of agencies, and they would tell me, oh, I, I can't even do business with those tiny customers like you have. We have to bring in at least $50,000 in revenue, not in premium. Listen to that again, in revenue to even work with a client. Then I mentioned another type of agency, which some people call the mom and pop agency, or people call it the agent on the corner, or your local agency. I like to call it a traditional small business. And what is that type of agency? Well, let's talk about it once again. On average, it's going to have three to seven people working there, some of which are actually likely related, like a father and son, or a husband and wife, or two other siblings who work together, and often they're even part of the local community. Some of them might have retail locations, and by retail, I mean having a storefront-style location as opposed to an office-based location. Although I will say that the retail storefront locations, I see them dwindling over time, especially with the rates uh, increasing on rent, which is a natural progression in society, as well as other business pressures such as Increased pressure from the competition on the internet to the way people like to do things today. Uh, like I mentioned before, when you think back 20 years, you used to see travel agencies on the corner. Uh, you would head down there and pick up your plane tickets printed on a cardboard-like piece of paper. Now, I'm sure the younger listeners have never even seen that before. They think of a plane ticket as something that you have on your cell phone, and then you just turn it on and show it to the gate attendant, and voila, you go through. And of course, that's also how they think of insurance today. But more importantly, when I make this podcast, I'm really talking to the mom and pop agency and the small businesses out there. Since that's really a majority of us, I think that this is a great time to 
share with you my experience and how I started my agency, where it came from, and where it is today. I also want to tell you a little bit how I started in one part of insurance and moved over to property and casualty. What's important to know is that I'm right there with you in the trenches. You know, if you've ever been to a seminar or some kind of training event or perhaps an annual convention, they do bring in a lot of great speakers. But when you hear them talk, sometimes you might be saying to yourself, have these people ever actually sold insurance or have they actually dealt with a customer face to face? I feel much like uh, what I experienced back in school was they speak in theory and not in real world application. You know, it would be great if we all had cross-sold seven policies to every customer and we had an impeccable, perfected follow-up system that we had highly automated and everybody had this team that was just on the ball, always working at the same pace with the same goals in mind. But that's not always really how it happens. So let me tell you what I've been through and perhaps you can relate to it and learn from it, hopefully. The way I got into insurance was unexpected, like many of you. I was at a party and I heard someone use this word. It was residuals. And I had not heard that term used uh, in the way he did before when he was speaking about his income. So I said to him, can you tell me what you mean when you say residuals? Uh, I was in my mid-20s at the time and I had some work experience, of course, but I did not know you know, a lot about commission-based jobs and things of that nature. So he proceeds to tell me this great story of how he sells health insurance to people and he gets paid every month and he's going to get paid for the rest of his life. All he had to do was build up this thing called a book of business. And he was actually in the process of talking about a vacation he was going to take. And during that time, he was going to just keep getting paid. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to go on vacation and just keep getting those residuals, or what I prefer to call today renewals? Well, what do you think I did? I actually called a department of insurance at the time and said, hi, how do I get a license to sell health insurance? Now, for the younger folks out there, keep in mind the internet was not so prevalent and there wasn't so much information available. And they told me, look, all you have to do is take 52 hours of classes and then you go take a test which was probably about 60 miles away or so. And that's it. It's that easy. Then after you complete the test, you will know if you passed or not, and then you'll have your license within a few weeks. Well, wow. It's that easy? Amazing. All I had to do was study a little, go take a test, and just like that, I had a new career. Well, of course, taking 52 hours of classes when you have an additional full-time job is not easy. So back then, before we used the internet so much, we would actually go to class. And I found a friend and said, hey, would you like to, would you like to become an insurance agent with me? And he said, well, sure. We're both off at the same time. Why not? So we would take these classes from 6 to 10 p.m. for weeks on end until we completed them. Uh, most of the time in the class was actually spent literally reading the book to us, which perhaps I could have done on my own, but it was a positive experience because there is something to be said for actually going to class and having someone teach you. After that, I completed the training and I went uh, to take the test as soon as possible. I spent some time studying beforehand. Of course, they gave you practice tests and stuff. So we did that and then we passed the test and I thought, great. 
That, that was easy. Now I just go out and I just sell insurance. Well, it actually wasn't that difficult. I did have to, you know, do some paperwork, which most of you have done, a couple filings to start your agency and you get your license. I was so proud that I actually had my license framed. I can't remember the last time I had something framed. I didn't even frame a concert poster for my favorite band that I might have waited three hours to buy in line. But there I was on my way and I was going to get ready to sell health insurance. So then the next thing I did is I called some companies and I asked about the process of working with them. And that's when I first heard the words, you want to be appointed with us. They said, all you have to do is sell one health insurance policy and we'll appoint you. You'll just put that on the paperwork and voila, there it is. So off I went. At the time when I got started in health insurance, I was working from approximately 6.30 to 1. So that basically gave me the afternoon to jump into this new career of mine. It was pretty exciting. I just bought my first E&O policy, so I'd already spent some money. I paid for the test. I paid for the books. I paid for the license, the fingerprints. I would put a lot of time into this, and I thought, great, let's go. So the first thing I did, of course, was tell all my friends that I now sold health insurance, and if they needed anything, let me know. Do you think that actually resulted in anything? Not really. I did actually get one customer. It was probably my first customer, and he was one of my neighbors. He was very nice to use me at the time, and I really appreciated it. Kind of got me started, helped me get that first check for 6 to $10 a month, and there I was. So then I determined, all right, I need a marketing strategy. Well, I've never done marketing, so to speak, or advertising or any of those things. So I said, okay, well, what works with me? I was at the time receiving a lot of advertisements in the mail. Uh, we would get things in the newspaper. I actually called the newspaper and said, how much is it to run an ad in the paper? Well, let's just say it was slightly unaffordable for uh, a, a fresh agent. And I didn't actually even know how many people would respond to the ad. So I thought the best thing to do is really just get out there. And I literally mean get out there. So I went down to a local office store and I made about 100 flyers and then I folded them. So I designed something simple on my computer, told people I could help them, and then uh, included my contact information at the time. And I went out into the world and started distributing the flyers. And I didn't just arbitrarily pass them out. I went to local businesses. I literally walked down the street into different businesses and asked if they had health insurance. And sometimes I'd ask the people who worked there. There'd be a barista at a local coffee shop. And, and often they would actually say, I'm on my parents' health insurance. Or, no, I don't have anything. Do you know anything about it? And I'd say, well, sure. Of course I do. Let me get the brochures from my car. And they'd take a few minutes uh, on a break. And then they would sit down and they'd talk to me about insurance. And I was very excited about it. I had studied all the plans. I, I was just so happy to do that. I'm also, keep in mind, uh, somewhat of an extrovert and I am social. So I do enjoy talking to people, just like I enjoy talking to you all right now. So I ended up signing up quite a few people that way. And I told them, of course, oh, make sure to tell your friends about me and please refer me to anyone that uh, might need insurance or just has any questions. So I continued to pass out the flyers, and that's how I built the business at the time. We were using lengthy paper applications that were not easy to fill out. Then one day, there was this new thing I found called wireless internet. It was a card I could put into my laptop, and I would have the internet right there, right on the spot. I could just bring it with me. Well, as you can imagine, that really helped my business. 
So after my day job, I would go out again. I would have some lunch, go out, maybe two o'clock, three o'clock. I would spend a few hours marketing. But this time I could bring my laptop and I could give it to them and they could fill out the application on the computer instantly. First of all, they were very impressed that I had this new thing where I had the internet practically in my pocket. But at the time, again, I have to say, you know, 14 years ago, or actually more than that now, uh, that was not common to see. We didn't have the same types of cell phones that we have today and things like that. Now, as I developed this client base, I was building up recurring revenue or residuals, and I was very excited about that. It was great. I, I was working, earning some money, and then doing this on the side. It, it was wonderful. And what happened was people would start to call me and they would say, hey, um, I need you to get a quote for my auto insurance. And I said, oh, wow, okay, sure, no problem. Um, hmm, what do I do? How do I do that? Well, it turned out you need another insurance license called the property and casualty license or a fire and casualty license, depending on your state. Today, the licenses in different states actually have different names, uh, especially in some eastern states I've seen. Uh, they'll use totally different names or numbers. And when I speak to those agents, they actually refer to their license sometimes by the number as opposed to by the name, which is, you know, just something interesting about the U.S., how we have different rules in different states. So I did the same thing again. I went back to the school where I took the classes, but this time I just didn't want to do it at night because it was quite difficult and I had to wake up early as I mentioned for what I was doing at the time so I couldn't leave a class at 10 and then get home at 11 and then have to wake up you know at 5 30 in the morning it was not easy so the next time I took weekend classes and then I found another friend and I said hey would you like to become a property and casualty insurance agent with me he said well I'm, again I'm sitting next to you kind of doing the same thing as you I have the time sure so he and I went and took classes for eight hours a day, uh, two weekend days in a row, and we would take those until we completed the 40 hours. Now, I had already completed the additional 12 hours of ethics at the time, so I did not have to retake that. So I thought the experience would be the same. So there we go again. This time I went up with my other friend to the testing center, took the test, passed it, got my license a few weeks later, and I was ready to start selling auto insurance. But what I found out was getting an appointment in auto insurance is nothing like getting an appointment in the health and life industry. Once again, I started calling around to different carriers. And at the time, advertising on television and the internet, it wasn't so aggressive. So not every auto insurance carrier was a household name. It was an interesting process for me. What I learned was they weren't going to make it easy for me. And they had definitely different expectations. Have you ever heard those stories where someone tells you they were laughed out of a room? Well, I was laughed off the phone. I remember calling a company and they said, well, how much premium do you have? And I said, I'm, I'm a new agent. How, I don't have any premium. They said, ha, huh. they started laughing. Like, we're one of the biggest carriers in the state. You want to do business with us? Call us back in a few years when you've built up a book of business and we can talk then. So it's that classic catch-22. I don't have any experience. And I can't get a job, but I can't get a job because I don't have any experience. It's the exact same thing that was happening to me, but it was in the appointment process. So I continued to call around and I found auto insurance companies I'd never heard of before. I also found several homeowners insurance companies I'd never heard of before. In fact, at the time, I'd only heard of the most of the direct writers, the names that you'd see uh, you know, today advertising all over television and the internet. 
And what happened was I was able to at least set some phone appointments. It was actually kind of exhilarating because I, I had achieved something. You know, when you're building something, it's very exciting. And if you're in the building stages of your agency, be excited and stay excited. This is going to be some of the best time of your life. Building a business is, is exhilarating. So here's what happened. I was able to set up some phone calls and the first person said to me, I need to come by your office and I can have a meeting with you and we can discuss some of the opportunities. Now, obviously I did not have an office at the time. I would sell my other you know, life and health insurance from home. So I would also have meetings at Starbucks and you know other cafes and things like that because I did not have an office. So I asked a friend if I could borrow one of their desks to have that be my office during this meeting. And he said, okay, look, you can't use our office in the middle of the workday, but you could use it for this window, what we'll call like a lunch hour. And I was able to literally convert their space into my mini office by putting up my plaques and my licenses. Um, so when the lady would come to visit me, it looked like that was my office. She asked where the rest of my staff was and I didn't really say much. I just noted that everyone was out to lunch at the time. Now, eventually, I would use that office a little more, so it did kind of become my office, and I did work there uh, when I was filling out some paperwork and stuff, so it was, it was kind of an office of mine, so to speak. So I had my meeting with her, and she said, well, I'll have to come by again, and we'll have to talk again after I review some of the things that we said. She was with a non-standard auto insurance company at the time, and for me, that was enough. I felt like there I was. I, I got my first uh, step foot in the door, and now I had an opportunity to continue. For the next meeting, she said to me, well, I don't really feel like driving to your office because there's a lot of traffic. Would you just want to meet me at a bagel place or at a coffee shop? And I said, sure, no problem. Oh, that saved me so much headache because I was able to go to her, and it was a much easier setting. I didn't have to set up my office, so to speak. She said, okay, I've decided I'll give you an appointment and I just need you to promise me that you're going to write a certain number of policies a month and I'll give you a year to do it. And I said, oh my gosh, of course, you're going to be my number one carrier. Little did she know she would be my only carrier. Now, I took that same experience with the next carrier. I called around to some homeowners insurance companies. Most of them just said no. And more than half the time, I couldn't even get anyone to call me back. Now, on a side note, if you work in insurance, I'm sure you understand the concept of not being able to get someone to call you back, but I'll digress. So with the next person, he said, I need to come by your office. And once again, there I was thinking, okay, back to the office, huh? So this time I took a cue from what happened with the last meeting. And I said, you know what? I don't want to inconvenience you. Would you like me to come down to you? I could meet you wherever you're at. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm like 40 miles away, but I drive around all the time, so it'd be easier. I said, no, you know what? You don't have to go to any trouble for me. Uh, that's okay. You know, you're, you're doing a favor for me by speaking to me. And he said, well, if you don't mind, we could just have a meeting over the phone and we can make some decisions. And I said, great. That was perfect. He then set up a meeting with me sometime in the future. We talked. He was actually surprisingly friendly. It was a smaller uh, property or homeowner's insurance company at the time. And he said, you sound like you're really passionate about this. So yeah, I'll give you the appointment. And we want you to write $50,000 of premium in the first year. And I said, oh, great. What's the average premium? He said, well, about $600 to $1,400, depending on the house you're quoting. I said, great. Why don't I just sell 50 of those? So there I was. 
I had one homeowner's insurance carrier. That would be, of course, home, condos, renters, and dwelling flyer. And he actually also gave me their flood uh, setup. So I was able to sell flood insurance as well. And one non-standard auto carrier. So I was able to now go back to some of the people who'd asked me for help with their auto insurance and discuss it with them. And surprisingly, quite a few of them actually fit in the non-standard category. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that, that would be people who do not have an impeccable driving record or who maybe had a lapse in coverage and things like that. I also uh, pitched a lot of them renter's insurance. And after I spent a lot of time studying it, understanding it, not just reading the brochures, but literally reading the policies, I was able to show them the value of it. In fact, when I got my first condo, I didn't even want to move into it until I had condo insurance. I was so worried that now that I was going to be a condo owner, something could happen uh, because I'd seen all these terrible stories in the insurance classes that I, I couldn't wait to get the coverage before I even stepped foot in the door. And that inspired me and gave me a lot of stories to share with people based on what I'd read about sample claims, uh, some of the coverages that are available. And I would recommend that all of you, if you have not already, read a policy cover to cover. You should read every policy form that's available, have a really deep understanding of it. Because when you have a deep understanding of it, it not only makes you a better salesman, but it also tells you the value of the product so you can share that with the customer. So much of insurance advertising or price shopping these days is done based just on the deck page, but there's so much more, as you know. And I found that to be a really great selling point because I could tell someone, well, I see you have this other company, but the company that I'm selling, they have extra coverage for these little things like, uh, you know, watches and jewelry or something small. You know, maybe they have uh, more coverage for trees and shrubs. Who knows? Uh, the big one that I was also looking at would be people's liability limits and loss of use coverage. Now, I will say I had some takeaways from my insurance classes when the teacher at the time would have uh, shared with us some stories. They would have told us some of the sample claims, and I was able to later use that in my marketing. So that's when I really started to make the switch. At the same time, simultaneously, there were things going on in the country and uh, political things where people were discussing health insurance and potentially having uh, government health insurance or something of that nature. And I really started to see the writing on the wall. And I thought to myself, hmm, this won't be good. If this happens, this will definitely not be helping the health insurance industry at all. But I think people are going to be driving cars for a really long time. Now, of course, today, you might not think that. And we'll get into that whole topic in another episode. So I really started to focus on auto insurance because at the time, what I noticed was everybody needed auto insurance and everyone wanted to buy it, but not everyone wanted to buy health insurance. I did find that surprising, by the way, because I think health insurance is incredibly important, but not everyone is going to share my same view. So there I was with my two appointments and I was ready to go. So what happened next? Uh, one of the carriers actually said, you know, we have this other company that we own after they saw me write a lot of policies and you can sell some additional things, uh, what we'll call specialty lines, you know, mobile homes, motorcycles, boats. Oh my gosh, I was so excited. I got that appointment and there I was off again. This time I went to some boat shows. I went to some motorcycle shows. Now, coincidentally, that's a passion of mine. So going to the motorcycle show for me is a great experience. I could not afford a booth at any of these shows because it was so expensive. But I was able to make a lot of contacts. In fact, one of the contacts I made was a competitor of the company that I was selling. 
And that was able to open another door for me, and I ended up getting another appointment based on that. The next big step for me was when someone called me and said that they wanted to get a quote, but they were in another state. So I asked them, how did you hear about me? I don't advertise in the paper. I don't run ads in the yellow pages. I certainly couldn't afford that. And the person said to me, well, I saw on your webpage that you sell boat insurance. Now, I built a webpage based on some things I had learned partially from a book and obviously other websites with some really old software that I don't even think exists anymore today. It was a very basic website, had very basic information. It, I wouldn't even call it a site. It was probably one page or two pages and it said, I have an email address and here's my phone number and here are the insurance products that I sell. And that was like the biggest life-changing event in the world. I think that she had lived in Arizona and she asked me if I could help her and I said, well, I can't. I only have an insurance license in my state. So unfortunately, we said our goodbyes and I missed that first sale. But what I learned from that was that there's a whole country of people seeking insurance. And that was the light switch that really changed my life. So I looked into how to get licenses in other states. Some of them required just paying a fee. Some of them required you establishing foreign entities. And by entity, I mean like an LLC or corporation in their state. Uh, just to let you know, if you're thinking of expanding into a lot of states, there is definitely a cost involved. So really plan ahead before you do something like that. So the next thing I did was I did get a license in some adjacent states. And that was actually not a big deal. I asked the carrier, hey, can I sell your insurance in these other states? And they said, sure. The next thing I did was I enhanced my website a bit. Now, I didn't have the money to have some fancy company build me an expensive website, and it was nothing like the amazing websites that we have in the world today, but it did get the ball rolling. So I started advertising to some other locations also with some old-fashioned techniques by sending postcards to businesses in other states, uh, dealerships at the time, and I was getting phone calls. It, it was shocking. I, I, I couldn't believe it. In fact, I'm, you can hear me stuttering. I, I couldn't believe, I still can't believe it today. That's how it started. So then I also realized the power of the internet. It's not just this little thing that you use to do a little bit of research here and there and read some news. It's the world's most powerful marketing tool. Now, when I say that, you have to remember, we're talking about 14 to 15, maybe 16 years ago. So it was such a different world back then. And today the internet is like the primary source of marketing for most people. So I started building more and more of these web pages. They weren't beautiful, but they did the trick. And then I actually started buying more and more websites. Um, I was buying domains, not websites that were pre-built. I would buy something that had like a keyword in it that is very popular that people might search for that type of insurance. And you know, in my lifetime, I've owned hundreds of websites. It's hard to believe, but it was a huge investment at the time but it did pay off. And I was just using the money that I was earning uh, to buy new websites and to do new marketing that way. Now today, before you run out and buy 5,000 websites or anything like that, you have to realize that Google, the world's most powerful search engine, has certainly changed the criteria. And having a, what they'll call a direct match domain name, something like say carinsurance.com, which I did not own, but I wish I did, that's not necessarily gonna get you any business. Today, you've probably heard something like content is king 
and content marketing is a huge part of things, as well as just so many other aspects of the business. So stepping away from the website discussion here, I had really grown my business to the point where I was able to sell one policy a day. And I said, you know what, if I can sell one policy a day, I'm going to quit what I'm doing and I'm just going to focus on insurance. Eventually, I was able to get a small office with a friend. I just paid a few hundred dollars and I had my own office and I had my own business mailing address and my own little sign. I think the sign was about maybe 14 to 18 inches long and maybe four inches high. The landlord printed it for me and I was so excited. I took a picture in front of the sign. It just felt great. I had built this little business from nothing. Eventually, I was able to get a college intern to help me a little bit just for a few hours a day doing some basic things. I realized that my time needed to be leveraged. I couldn't spend time calling the customers with basic questions. Uh, then I wouldn't be able to spend any time focused on sales. Now, that's a key topic I'm going to want to get into on another episode. And I've already got it lined up. I can't wait to share with you business processes and determining how much time you're spending on sales versus marketing versus customer service. So once I had that other person working for me, I said, oh, what I need to do now is get someone else to sell insurance with me so that they could bring in more business and you know we would both profit from that. Unfortunately, that turned out to be incredibly hard. In fact, today, I still find it difficult to find people who are interested in actually doing the sales process where you don't provide them the leads. So I actually experienced that a very long time ago. And what happened was I was able to get more and more leads off the internet myself. I wasn't buying them. I was, I was generating them myself. It was amazing. You know, when you don't have to pay for the lead, it's, it's a very different experience. So what I realized was people would be interested in selling the insurance if I could give them the customer. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's really how it started when I got the second person to help me. For years, uh, carrier reps would come to my office and they would say, now, how many producers do you have? And I'd look around the room and there was one point, I think, you know, there were probably 10 people in the room and I was thinking to myself, producers, could you define that for me? They'd say, you know, producers, people who produce business, people who bring business to your agency. And I'd say, oh, I have one. And they'd say, but we see all these people and they're on phones and they're, they're talking to customers and I hear your phone is just ringing off the hook and someone came in for a meeting. And I said, yeah. I did all that. I give them all the leads. Oh my gosh, they were shocked at how I did this. They'd never seen anything like that. In fact, today, I don't really see that that much. I see a lot of agencies that focus on producers, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's great to have people bring in business. I have seen some people which ran a more centralized model like I did, where I would bring in the business and I would dose out the leads. I was kind of the general and they were out there in the field uh, getting getting the job done, trying to close the customers. But I built my business a little bit differently than other people. I wasn't interested in going out anymore, passing out flyers door to door. By that point, I had my little office. It was just it was just so amazing. I remember hanging my license up in there and thinking, now I can have meetings here. How exhilarating. So I would get these leads on the internet and from time to time, someone would actually come to the office. But what I found is most people just wanted to do business over the phone. And because I was getting calls from other states, obviously no one could come to the office. So what happened was the whole business was really built by doing business over the phone and by email. Now, when I'd go to a convention, I would be with some of my friends and they would introduce me to someone. And they'd say, you've got to meet Dave. He doesn't ever go meet any clients. He doesn't do any cold calling. Have you guys ever heard of this before? He gives people leads. 
It was like I had, you know, done something crazy. It's like you saw a dog walking on its hind legs or you saw a unicorn run down the street. But by that time, uh, several years had passed now, and I was able to generate a decent amount of leads uh, basically every day, including the weekend, almost 24 hours a day. Although I do want to say with the leads, most of them did come during business hours, which was nice at the time. Today, the leads that come will come at all hours of the night, and the customer expects you to, to get back to them with a quote instantly, even if it's three in the morning, which many of you know is just not realistic. So after a few years, I had set all that up, and now I had a few people who were providing customer service. I had people who were selling the leads, and that was really the way my office was set up. But as I grew, what I realized is now there's all this service to do, and that was that was becoming very difficult. It was really hindering me from doing more sales and doing any kind of marketing. In fact, the amount of service was was not enjoyable. I, I imagine those of you out there who don't work as CSRs who might enjoy pro providing service and you work on the sales side, you might feel the same way. And that's unfortunately, that's just part of the business. Although today we have uh, service centers provided by carriers and things like that. You have the option sometimes to give up some of your commission in return for them providing the service. That does work for some agencies. It doesn't for others because some are going to have a more personal touch. But I built my agency with some sense of personal touch but then at the same time realizing that if a carrier has a hotline that's open, say, 24 hours a day and they can call that, that might be easier to service my customers. But that really sums up about 10 years of business, how I went from having no office at all, working out of my house part-time, to having the business that I basically described to you, three to seven people. Uh, in my case, at, at one point, it was 10 or 12, but it's uh, thinned out uh, due to modern efficiencies. And I was not really part of the local community, but I did somewhat uh, operate as that type of small agency on the corner, so to speak. In fact, there was a three-year stint where I thought to myself, I really want to be part of the community. I want to have my sign up. I want to have a barbecue. I want to do those things I see people do. So I did rent a retail space, but I determined after a few years that was not for me because there were a handful of customers that walked in which I thought was going to just be free business, but they turned out to be the types of customers that required a very significant amount of service, and that was just not for me. So today, I continue to focus on the internet, uh, marketing across the country in most states, and I still run uh, that centralized model I discussed. And by that, I mean the focus isn't on me and my name. It's not like, hey, here's Dave's agency. I want to talk to Dave. You know, today you see... Charles Schwab running commercials where they say, talk to Chuck, you know, you're not actually talking to Chuck. You're talking to someone at the 800 number. And I understand why they have thousands, if not millions of customers. Um, I actually thought one day I would have millions of customers. I thought I would have this huge building. That was part of my vision. I thought I'm going to have this big building. You're going to see my sign on the side of the freeway and everyone in the world is going to want to come to us. But through my fine-tuning process and finding the lifestyle that's right for me, I have shifted my agency over time because it's important to adapt with time and with the changes. I did start somewhat on the internet within you know just a, a year or two, as I mentioned, and today I continue to do internet marketing. I do not have so many people anymore because it's actually not necessary due to the type of things they were doing. You know, there was a time when you'd have to have someone answer the phone. We didn't have these amazing voice over IP phone systems that offer, you know, auto attendance and 
uh, hold music and call routing. We used to have to have someone, you know, I'm not going to say operate a switchboard like you see in the 50s, but you had to have someone do that. And uh, those of you who've been in the business for a while probably remember all that stuff. So today I have just a few people. Uh, we actually sell a significant number of policies, um, but the way the business runs is a little bit smoother. It actually sometimes does feel smoother when you have fewer people because you can work more as a cohesive team, which I really enjoy. I always wanted to have a good team environment where we all felt like we were working to the same goal. We are trying to achieve the same thing. The bigger your team gets, you might find that that's, that's difficult. It's hard to keep everyone on the same page. I'm sure if you think of you know two people who play tennis together on the same team, that's a two-person team. Now imagine a large team like a baseball or basketball team. It's going to be hard to have everyone on the same page at the same time, but it's, it's possible. It just You'll need to implement a, a system that works for you. So today, uh, again, I am uh, still in the trenches with you. I see a lot of the leads. I see a lot of the difficulties. I really feel the pressure from the internet as well. Even though I am on the internet, I feel the same pressure you might feel from the direct writers, the people who run countless advertisements, the people who are able to spend $75 on one click on Google just to get a lead. I know a lot of you out there probably buy leads. You might pay between two and $20 for a personal lines lead. You might pay 10 to $100 for a commercial lines lead. And you know, there's a reason for that. Obviously, there's, there's a value in it. But I will say that uh, it's going to continue to get a little bit harder and you'll have to distinguish yourself. One notable thing that I really did over the last few years is focus on niches. I focused on, well, let me back up. I really have shifted our focus to commercial insurance. I feel that commercial is the future. In fact, I just read something in a popular insurance property and casualty type of magazine that mentioned that uh, they see in the next 10 years that personal lines will be much more significantly transacted on the internet, but they felt that agents would still dominate the commercial market. I feel the same thing because, you know, commercial is obviously significantly more difficult. There are more policies that people might need. There are spe specific coverages they might need. And going to a trusted advisor like yourself is really important. You know, there is a value to our profession. I know some people don't feel that anymore. Depending on where you live, actually, you might have a different experience. When I left the state where I was born, I saw a totally different view of insurance agents. They were considered professionals. I did not have that experience when I first started my agency. People said, oh, I know a guy who sells insurance, as if I was some sort of used car salesman. I hope that none of you have that feeling. You should be proud that you have an insurance license. It's a great career. It's been around since the time of ship piracy. I mean, it's been around much longer than cars. So cars will probably go away before insurance goes away and before the need for insurance agents and brokers goes away. I hope that everyone listening is actually really excited about their career in the insurance industry. I remember when I first started selling P&C insurance, it was really exciting for me. And I was constantly talking about insurance. I was working all day at my agency and then I would spend hours at night building websites, coming up with marketing ideas, trying to design little flyers I was still sending out. It was just so exciting for me. In fact, when I'd go out with my friends, I would somehow relate whatever story they were telling to something that goes on in the insurance industry. I'm not sure exactly how I did that, but they were certainly shocked as well. But what was most important is that they could feel my excitement and my energy 
And they said, gosh, maybe I should be doing that too. I want to leave you with a few takeaways from my story. If you're running an agency or if you work at an agency or if you're considering getting into insurance, you know, there are things you do need to do uh, as time progresses. As I mentioned, there's the internet. It's definitely having effect on a lot of people. I actually didn't feel it for a very long time in insurance. I used to say, well, I'm on the internet too. Who cares? But, you know, as I mentioned, again, the advertising and such and the online marketing has become incredibly strong from a lot of these companies. So you'll want to make sure that you are laser focused on what you're going to be doing in the future. It's not illogical to continue selling some of the products that you're doing if you're making a profit from them. But think about the future. For example, if your agency is 100% focused on auto insurance, you might want to examine some alternatives and start adding additional products that you can sell. As I mentioned, I started focusing on commercial niches, and that really helped me. I do talk to a lot of people who are heavily focused in personal lines, and I'll frequently hear them tell me stories like, I couldn't help this guy on the weekend, and he just left me and went and bought a quote from somebody else on the internet. Or someone was at the dealer, and they had a computer right there, and they just got them a quote on the spot. I'm also hearing now on the homeowner's insurance side about technology that's going to probably allow not necessarily real estate agents, but other people involved in the transactions, such as escrow companies and title companies. And there's so many people involved in a real estate transaction. They're going to be getting technology where they'll just be able to put in the customer's information. Some sort of computer will offer them a series of quotes, and there's a good chance they might take them. So I know a lot of people who focus on homeowner's insurance get referrals from mortgage companies and similar entities. So be prepared for what's coming. Now, here's the thing. If you are coming to the end of your career, it's different for you. But if you're a little bit younger, and by younger, I don't mean 20. I mean, you might, I mean that you might have many years left in the business. Maybe you have uh, 10 or 15 years. You're going to want to continue to earn money and build your agency and realize you're going to have attrition. You're going to have clients that are going to leave for various reasons. They might switch to another carrier. They might move to a state you don't service. They might see an advertisement online. I've had people who've been with me for, I can't tell you how long, who just told me they went on the internet and got another quote and just canceled my policy. So start planning today for your future. That's a major takeaway. Number two, think about the niches. That is very important because that can help you have a, a focused business where you're knowledgeable about a specific product and where you can focus on advertising that specific product. And the third thing to take away from this is that your agency needs to ever be evolving. So whether you're just an agent working at the agency, and I don't mean just an agent, I mean you're not the owner, or you're an, you're an owner or you're a producer or you're a CSR, I think it's important to have a meeting with everybody and look at the future and set up a timeline, set up a goal sheet. You know, making goals and writing them down is very helpful. I know a lot of people have goals in their head. They always have them in the back of their mind, but they haven't written them down. They haven't set up a business plan. They haven't set up a timeline. So it's important to do that. I still do that today. Even though I have my niches, it's interesting. Things change so quickly now that some of the niches that I was selling insurance in just a few years ago are basically gone. Some of them are gone due to regulation. That's always going to happen. Some of them are gone due to technology, of course. I remember when I would sell a lot of food truck insurance, and then some 
some big cities started putting in rules about the types of refrigeration equipment they had. The food trucks would call and tell me it was becoming too expensive to run the business. Other cities were putting in rules about where they could park. And then all of a sudden, that that ended. We stopped getting those leads. Today, I think you know, we see a handful of them, but nothing like what was going on in the past. There'll always be new niches, and maybe that's maybe that's your thing. Maybe you'll be the one who keeps up with the trends. But I want you to focus on your stability. That's important. You know, continued growth and continued retention. Thank you for listening to me on this uh, slightly then longer uh, episode. I'm going to be back with you again next week, sharing a few key topics that we're going to talk about, one of which is my favorite, the internet and automation. And I'm going to talk about some of the things that you can actually do that are very low cost that you as an agent or agency can implement today. You have to keep up, like I said. So we're going to talk about that, and I look forward to helping you in the future. All right, so get back out there, get to selling, and keep growing that business. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to Planet of the Agents. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And head over to our website at planetoftheagents.com to sign up for our newsletter and get even more information on how to grow your insurance agency.